0: Man, powerful words for us this morning, that song. God kicked down a wall for me. He went up a mountain for me. He lit up the shadows of darkness to find me. That is good news. Do you know that today? Do you know that? Is that your story? I hope that it is. From John chapter 13. Beginning with verse 1, I'm going to read these words to you. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and he would return to God. So he got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist And he poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. And then skipping down to verse 34, the word says this, So now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The mark of the beloved community today seems very simple. Love one another. But actually, what seems very simple on words, I think for us, is the most difficult mark to bear in the beloved community especially for those in the room today who call yourself Christian. It is the most difficult mark to bear. Let's pray for just a minute. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be a pleasing, acceptable sacrifice to you this morning. God, would you take and open our ears and eyes to what the Spirit wants to speak to us, in Jesus' name. Amen. It is easy to love people at the beginning of a relationship, right? This is very easy. You find someone that you are attracted to, they can do nothing wrong. Everything about them is sweet, right? Everything is great. They look great all the time, smell great. Everything they say, it's perfect. They're so smart. At the beginning of a relationship, it is so, so easy. It is so easy. I remember the time that Larry brought our bulldog puppy Wally home for the first time to our house. It was so easy to love him then. (laughs) So easy. He was so cute. He was perfect. He couldn't do anything wrong. Even when he peed on the carpet, it's like, oh, he's so cute. Right? He couldn't do anything wrong. But a few months in, and loving Wally became very difficult. It became very difficult. It, he didn't do anything wrong, right? Wally, he didn't. It was, it was really on us. We were the ones that had difficulty loving him to the end. And so now he lives in Hagerstown, Maryland. And he is loved very well there. He is at the home of Baba Snodderly. Yeah. Yeah, he is loved very well there. I couldn't love him to the end. I'm sorry, Wally. But I couldn't do it. Loving in the beginning is so easy. It's so easy. And John 13, it gives us this picture of what it looks like. Not to love from the very beginning, but to love all the way. Loving. Loving to the end. In verse 1, John wrote, he had loved his, his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. This word, to the very end, it has two meanings in Greek, when we look back at that word. And so we could receive it two ways, and I think actually John maybe wants us to hear it two ways. First, it could mean that Jesus loved them to the end of his time with them, period. He had come to the end of his time with them, he loved them all that way, and that's how he loved them, to the very end. But it could also mean, and he did that, but it could also mean this, that Jesus loved them to the fullest extent of his love. To the very end of himself, he loved them. To the very end of themselves, Jesus loved them. He could not have loved them anymore. He loved them all the way to the end. It's interesting, in the previous 12 chapters in John, this word, agape love, unconditional love, It is used in those 12 chapters just six times. But starting in chapter 13, John will use this word agape love in what one writer said in an avalanche. And it will come on us. Jesus loves us to the very end. Agape love. It comes on 31 times in just five chapters. So... We've heard it. Jesus loved them to the end. But how did he do it? How did he love his disciples? Think about this. He is looking into the face of Judas, who he knows is going to betray him. In just a few hours. He's looking into the face of Peter, who is going to deny him. In just a few hours. He's looking into the eyes and faces Of all those men around the table, men that he's walked with for three years, these are his best, his best friends. For three years, they walked closely together, and in the next 24 to 48 hours, they will all leave him, abandon him as he walks to the cross, and still he loves them to the end. How? does he do it? How does he do it? Verse 3, this is how he did it. Because he knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God, and he was going to God. He knew who he was. He knew that he had come from his loving Father and was going back to his loving father. When you know who you are, when you know you are the beloved, you can do insurmountable things. When you know that, out of that identity, you can do amazing things. You can love people to the end. And so this is what he does. He has John has just told us, the way that Jesus loves, and now Jesus is going to do it in his actions, the way that he keeps doing it for us in the whole book of John. He takes off his outer robe, and he takes on the outfit, the clothes of a slave, and he washes their feet. Now, for us, I think it's, it's difficult for us to understand what foot washing really meant in that culture. It really is, right? We don't do this practice here what would it mean for us? What, what would it mean that Jesus would, would take off his clothes, his outer robe, would take on the clothes of a servant and would wash their feet? To give you an idea, this task of hospitality was designated, assigned to the lowest slave in the house, usually a female let that sit with you for a minute, that God, the God of everything, the God that loves us to the end, got on the floor and washed the feet. He took the title, the status of the lowest female slave in the house and washing feet in that day. It meant washing animal waste, human waste, touching that, cleaning that with your own hands. And this is what the God of everything does when he gets on the floor and takes on the clothing of the slave. Just last month, we talked about Mary, who did the very same thing. And hers is a foreshadow, it's a mirror of what Jesus is doing in chapter 13. She got on the floor. She poured the perfume out on his feet and without a towel used her own hair to dry it off. Now we really understand where Mary was when she poured out all of her love to the end to Jesus. It's still a stretch for us though, right? It is still a stretch for us to understand. I have a friend, his name is Dan. Dan is the CEO and president of the largest senior living center in Kansas City. It's called John Knox Village. And Dan is the president and CEO of John Knox Village. And Dan wanted, he wanted to understand what it was like for a, a day in the life of the person on the at the lowest, uh, on lowest on the totem pole in his organization. Admirable, right? So Dan decided he would go and take the classes to become a CNA, a certified nursing assistant. Is anybody in the room a CNA? So you can get this. You can get your certification to do this. Anyways... I don't, I don't know who would want to. <laughs> do you know what the tasks are that are assigned to CNAs? Do you know what this is? Some of you are mumbling. Yeah, it's, um, it's changing bedpans. It's um, doing medical procedures that nobody else wants to do. I don't even want to say it out loud. Uh, suppositories, enemas, that's the work of a CNA. It's disgusting. That's the work that they do every day. And they're the lowest paid usually on the list of medical personnel. The CNA gets paid the least. And so Dan, after he finished his certification for a few weeks, he took off his wardrobe of privilege. He took off his business suit and he put on scrubs. And for a few weeks, Dan worked as a CNA in his own organization. After he finished that, he went back to his office, back to his suit, but he did not look through the same set of eyes when he went back to his organization. When the employees came around and said, hey, we'd like to have raises for the CNAs, Dan was like, yes, they deserve it because I know what they do every day. CNAs deserve a raise. Let's give them a raise. When they said, we need a day off, yes, you deserve a day off because every holiday that I get off, you have worked. And now with new eyes, He sees you. He sees you loving, you working. He sees the CNAs doing the work that nobody wants to do. And now he approaches his organization as a CEO and president with loving eyes, with loving eyes. So what does Dan say to us? We sort of love this idea of being the beloved community. Sounds very warm. I want to be a part of a beloved community. We made this beautiful piece of artwork. I'm part of that. That sounds very nice. But what I shared at the very beginning, that what it means to be a part of the beloved community is perhaps the most difficult mark for us to bear. Earlier this year, Jeff Kirksey... Jeff Kirksey, right? He reminded us what love looks like. And he read to us from 1 Corinthians 13, and I want to read it to you this morning to remind you what love looks like. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such a faith I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained Nothing. Students, let me just talk to you for a minute. If you are in the room and you you found yourself kind of dropped in the middle of this Christian community, you are ex- still exploring what it would mean to be a Christian. You're still considering if that's what you want to do and be. If you're sitting in the room today And that's who you are. I just want to say this to you. Thank you. Thank you for living with and eating with and learning with people who see the world a bit differently than you do. Thank you for living with us. My hope is that our words and our love are consistent with the words and love of Jesus Christ. Sometimes, however, those of us who follow Jesus, we just get it wrong. College students who call yourself Christian today, I want to speak to you. This is not something you wait for down the road. This is living now. This is for living right now. If you or I could write the most eloquent blog post, if we could retweet the best article on social justice, if you or I could write the most poignant words in Veritas or above the fold or the Christian scholar, but we don't love others, We are nothing. Students, if you are in the honor society, professors, if you've earned your PhD, if you have a 4.0 or you're a CAS tutor, but you don't love people on this campus, you have gained nothing. If you plan service projects and lead a small group play or sing in a chapel team, but you don't love. You have nothing. Students, if you sit in the first ten rows and go to every chapel service, if you go to every kingdom experience and late night and small group, but you don't love people on this campus, if you and I, Let me include myself. If we don't love people on this campus, we are nothing. We have nothing. We have gained nothing. Loving one another takes away, strips off our administrative titles, our SGA positions, our RA platform, our summer ministry assignment. It takes all of those things off. And we take on, instead, a towel that washes feet, that sees life through the eyes of someone without. Without platform, without badges of honor, without any way of saying, look at me. This is the mark (laughs) that says, I love you. This is the mark of the beloved community. Christians in the room, we're going to sing this song again, the song we have just sung, The Reckless Love of God. If you are a Christian in the room, I want you to do this. I want you to think of it differently. And would you insert your own name in the place of God? Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of Caitlyn. It chases me down. It fights where I am found. The love of Kenna. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. Still, Dakota, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, the never-ending, reckless love of me, of you. Can our community honestly say that about us? Can they? If you're a Christian today, this message, these words are for you. Because this community ought to be able to say that I went through the darkness and moved out the shadow and shined a light there that I crossed a mountain to love you. That is what this community ought to say about the Christians that we are. Johnny's going to sing this for us. And as she does, place your name there We're so grateful that God loved us. We're so grateful that he did all these things for us, that he moved a mountain, climbed it for us, and he found us. But God said, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Amen.
1: Oh Sh-
2: to take off our wardrobe of privilege. Um, There are chances to do that here, right now, today. Um, Like Lynn said, this isn't something that we're striving to be. These aren't people that we're striving to be when we graduate, but that we're supposed to be right here, right now. Um, And maybe you feel like you're inside this little bubble at ENC, but be in that bubble. Um, Love those people there. And gain this experience of what it looks like to love each other. I think um, I think sometimes we can wear our, our busyness or our awards, positions, titles. Um, as as that, as awards, we wear our, you know, I don't have time because I have to go to this meeting and this meeting and this meeting. I would encourage you today to just take some time to slow down. Um to find in yourself those places that, that the things that you're yearning for, um, the ways that you can be loving each other. Um, and maybe when you slow down, you see that person that you know that God has given you opportunities to love, but maybe you haven't taken them. Uh, this isn't easy. Um, this means giving up our privilege, our titles. It gives. It's giving up our time to spend with people But there are opportunities to do that here and you're sitting next to people um, and there are people who weren't here today who also are in need of this message and we just encourage you to share that to make time for people to slow down um, to reprioritize and to remember the sacrifice that it looks like to love to take off that wardrobe of privilege and Once you understand what that looks like, you're you're given a new set of eyes, um, and it changes you, and it changes how you spend your time and the things that you care about. Um, And so I just encourage you guys to to slow down, take some time, talk to each other about what this looks like, um, and we'll be praying together as a community as that happens. And so um, just as our prayer today, will you stand with me as we sing the doxology? Great. You're dismissed.